Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. Today's episode, titled Trust and Foreplay, The Soulmate Guidebook, we discuss love, soulmates, karmic connections, and the effects of our relationships on our lives. We also discuss some of the theories as to why we believe we need a soulmate in the first place. We also take a brief dive into the newer idea of twin flames. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey fellow GNTers, those of us who like our spirituality with a twist. Uh, this episode is something a little different. It's hard to say what order people may be listening to these, but uh, currently we're doing a series on sort of the basics of spiritual practice and philosophy, kind of the stages of the path. So that's going on. We're continuing that. Uh, we're doing interviews, you know, some really uh, interesting interviews with these spiritually interesting. Uh, we have a new one out with uh, Aaron Greenberg, who's a uh, co-founder of this thing called Biograph Books, which is going up, and he's, his whole job is recording people's life stories. So that's a really interesting one. Uh, but also along with those things, and we have other interviews on the way, but also along with those things, we wanted to do episodes on, I don't know, subjects of transcendent interest, things that are just interesting uh, related to spirituality and life. And, um, and so we're going to start doing ones that are more uh, about love and spirituality. And it's uh, and sexuality. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, we chose the name Jin and Tantra. Uh, that was sort of Daniel's, uh, Daniel's invention. I kind of did the spirituality with a twist part. So it kind of came from both of our minds and it kind of captured the essence of what we wanted the show to be about. But then we sort of purposely held off a little bit on talking about some of the things that might be really obvious with a name like that, like sexuality and love and relationships. Um, and, there, you know, there's sort of some reasons behind it, I guess we both felt a little bit. So, what do you think about that, Daniel? We did kind of wait a little bit, <laughs> given yeah, the name did, of the show. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did wait a little bit, and I think there's there's a couple reasons. One, I think, was to just kind of give at least the people who are who are following us, reg, you know, regularly listening to us, you know, for most episodes that we put out, just to kind of build a little bit of a relationship um, and and our own voices in terms of what we believe in and and what we're trying to do with our with our work here. And I felt like that was a, a, a quick dive a little bit too deep right away. And I wanted to kind of hold off just so that we can kind of build again, like a little rapport, like you would be building with uh, a new relationship or a, with a, a patient or a new friend or something like that, trying to find that's common ground. Kind of interesting thought. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's kind of a good point. It's kind of like if you start talking about really hypersexual things right from Jump Street, it's a little, I don't know. You're right. It could be a bit much, right? Right. And, and it's also, I think, something along the lines of like, you know, you can't just go right, right in for the, you know, for the thing, right? You kind of have to dance around a little bit and, and do the, the courtship, right? You know, so yeah, yeah. Holding, holding hands and staring in each other's eyes and, 
you know, doing uh, the foreplay, so to speak. And so I think, <laughs> you know, it's uh, funny in the Tantras themselves, they really talk about that. They talk about, mm-hmm. you know, things start when the two people, you know, smile at each other, you know, their eyes meet and then they have the metaphor of the lovers holding hands. And then they talk about kind of kissing and then it comes to the embrace part last, but there's a kind of a build, right? Yeah. I hadn't really, you know, when we had talked about this in the pre-show meeting, I hadn't thought about that part, you know, that you want to build towards that and get people to know what we're trying to do here a little bit more before we went to those subject matters. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, you know, I can be spontaneous. So this is uh, a, <laughs> that's spontaneity right here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so that, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, I mean, that, that's a big part for me. That was probably the biggest part. Um, just kind of holding off it, so that people feel like that, that we are, you know, after you listen to people talk for several hours and for those who, you know, listen to most of our episodes or some of our episodes, I feel like there's a, a good sense of our personalities out there now so that not only are we, um, you know, relatively entertaining, but also people who are trustworthy. And you can kind of tell that from episode to episode, there are conscious themes that we're trying to uh, bring up and approach and tackle with, even with our guests, that we still have the things that we're trying to present to people and that this is one of them. And, and hopefully now that people feel a little bit like we're in their, in their homes, in their lives a little bit. Yeah, there's kind of a trust part of it. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. 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 So that was the main part for you. Anything else uh, yeah. in that? No, those two for me is it's the trust and the foreplay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to like takes a little build, right? You want a little slow yeah, up, right? Yeah, for, for yeah. sure, man. You warm yeah. It up. yeah, I think I had the feeling too um, that I didn't want the whole show just to you know end up about uh, uh, you know we're doing tantra and it, it wanted to go like the version of tantra we're doing is kind of deep, right? not just mm-hmm. about sexuality or just not about, you know, sexual technique or those kinds of things. You know, we, I wanted to present Tantra as kind of a, a full spiritual path, right. Embedded yeah. in things, you know, that, um, you know, are beyond just, you know, the way a lot of times people could think about it here, which might be a little bit more new agey and we're not against new agey, but we're not doing that exactly. So yeah, I think that was kind of important too, that we kind of set a tone, Mm-hmm. That was showing, you know, we're treating this as kind of a spiritual subject matter where things that have to do with love and sexuality can be a part of it. But, you know, it's part of a, a deeper and bigger tradition. So I thought that was kind of important, too. Did you think mm-hmm. about that as well? Yeah, I did. But I figured you were going to mention that. So I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> See, we know each other, right? There's a trust. Yeah. Everyone has a bond and a trust in this whole That's thing. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So when we were looking at how to do this, we decided to start with talking more about the love and relationship into the deep parts of that, which is even the whole concept of, you know, um, deeper karmic connections between people, soulmates, if you will, and those kinds of deep loves um, as, the, as the starting off point. And so I guess the first thing to really, for both of us to kind of talk about is what do you think about those things? Do you think there's such a thing as a soulmate thing? How do you think about love? How do you think about how it connects to spirituality? You know, we were talking back and forth in the, in the prep for this, and you just sent me one two-word text, which is just like, deep subject. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty much so. But, yeah. you know, it's G&T. We go for the deep subjects. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't shy away. So whatever you had to say is pre- preliminary to that, I guess. What do you, what do you think about those things? Do you, I, I know we talked about, do you believe there's a soulmate thing or how do you think about that? So there's a couple of things here. Um, first off is the, the, I'd say the standard definition of a soulmate is actually quite limiting, right? 
generally mm. people believe that your soulmate is somebody who you're quote unquote supposed to be paired with, you know, and they are the completion of you. And that's, that's it. You're bonded on a soul level, or this is the person who's going to, you know, make you feel happy for the rest of your life and, and loved and all that, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just not so sure if that, if there's a, a singular answer for that, and because I don't necessarily agree with the definition of that yeah. idea of a single soulmate. I, I personally am more of a belief that like, we probably work together in, in, in small tribes or maybe even larger tribes. I don't know the exact number, but that people have roles in their lives. So, you know, our, our souls are, are mated in a number, in a number of different ways that we help each other throughout our lives. And maybe that's as a romantic partner, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. I mean, I, you know, like yourself, you know, in my life, you have a great influence from me, you know, professionally and personally, and hopefully, you know, I do for you as, as well. So essentially, our souls are doing this thing where we're able to express, you know, various things that we believe in and hopefully can, can illuminate those for other folks as well. Maybe that's new information or repetition of things they've already thought. And now they know that the other people believe in that same kind of way. So that has an extremely important part of my life as, you know, as I know as it does for you, because we've been talking about doing this for years now. So there's a deep uh, aspect to that, that I think goes beyond just the, the view of the typical quote unquote soulmate, which is really only limited to romantic slash sexual love. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and, you know, we're going to go through and talk about where that whole idea comes from about, you know, your one faded partner. I think that's an mm -hmm. interesting thing to talk about when we get back to it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I agree. You could probably have you could probably have different kinds of soulmate, quote unquote, type experiences. You know, it might be a teacher. It might be like the two of us trying to do this shared mission that we're doing here. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our souls are involved in a, a, a joint important project that means a lot to both of us. Right. This is mm -hmm. a, definitely a labor of love, you know, of the heart for both of us doing this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, um, if you have kids in your life. Right. They're kind of soulmates to you in their way you know so yeah i think if you do make it too narrow um you only think about that one romantic connection and it has to be you know in that whole mythos of just that i think maybe you've done something you've done a little bit of injustice to what the connections are between people you've made you have made it too narrow you know mm -hmm. you know when my when my daughter was born you know, i have a 17 year old and it was interesting like it's a, it's a well-known fact that I was like a reluctant parent. <laughs> I could have gone my whole life and not had any kids and I would have been fine. Uh, but I know when my daughter was born, almost immediately, I had this feeling like, oh, okay, you and me, we're in something together. You know, I think a lot of parents probably have that experience, you know, and it was like instantaneous. I was like, hmm, yeah, you know, you and I are kind of like, uh, we're, we're two peas in a pod, you know, mm -hmm. in some way or another. And, um, yeah, so there's all kinds of connections, you know, and I definitely could think of even with my daughter, there were parts of my personality that very quickly changed, hmm. you know, it was, uh, it was kind of, you know, I'm self-reflective meditative person, right. You know, this, right. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is changing very quickly, you know, um, some negative parts of my personality, parts of me that were a little bit more, I don't know, bluesy, or it could be a little bit more, should we go there? Be a little bit more maudlin. Mm. <laughs> the more sad parts of my personality. Everyone has those, you know. Uh, um, they were just kind of like, no, there's no room for that anymore, you know. And it wasn't like it's something I had to like challenge in myself. They just kind of, 
went up in smoke like really fast. It's interesting, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, so I agree. If you make it too narrow, I think, I think, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be selling the idea kind of short. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. think that, you know, and maybe let's, so let's just, let's go there real quick. What, you know, where, where is the, where does that idea come from? Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, stuff about this and I'm, I'm drawn to some of it for sure. If we get to the personal side. Mm -hmm. So if you get to the concept of a soulmate and you kind of trace it back, there's a definitely a part that goes back to Greek, Greek thought, right? And it goes all the mm -hmm. way back to Plato. And then uh, Plato, there's a part where, you know, there's all based on dialogues, right? And there's a part where there's all the great thinkers of Greece are kind of together and they're talking about love. And uh, there's Euripides, the playwright, who kind of has the most creative version of this. And he tells this kind of longer story about um, how human beings used to be, you know, twice of what they normally are. They were these kind of big, fantastical creatures. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, the gods were intimidated by them because they looked like they had too much power. So I think it's Zeus in the story, you know, as the one who mm -hmm. does initiate this. He's like, no, these, these creatures, we got we to cut these things down to size. You know, so they developed this, they developed a scheme, which is to cut human beings in half. And uh, in doing that, you know, they sliced them and they became half of what they were. But now, of course, they were only they were only they were only half of what they were. And so they were like always going to be longing for this experience of their other half. Mm. And uh, that's kind of the Greek origin of that. And, you know, what's interesting about it for us as 21st century people, when you look back on it, is they kind of acknowledge that some of the some of the beings that got sliced in half were half male and half female, but some were both sides female. And that mm. led to women longing for other women. And some were half men and half men. And that led to men longing for other men. So mm. in that sense, it was sort of surprisingly from a 21st century person's point of view, kind of surprisingly progressive. There was an allowance for people longing for, you know, their other half in, in different kinds of ways, right? Um, mm. That, you know, I think now, you know, in the early parts of the 21st century, people are like, you know, a lot of people are really comfortable with that idea now. So, right. so that's kind of that's kind of the Greek version of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I got interested in it um, because it comes up in the Kabbalah. Yes. Yeah, this is this is where I'm. Yeah. So there's a, you know, one of the great Kabbalistic books, just, you know, for people who are listening, if you're interested in the Kabbalah, there's this um, and you want to know a little bit more about it. There's this thing called the Zohar, which is this long series of books. Um that are kind of like commentaries on, on the, the Torah, on the books of the Old Testament, but they're really not. They're kind of like, they are and they're not. They're kind of more like a, like a, long, a long series of like deep spiritual essays or something like that. And um, their soulmate does appear there. And it's kind of interesting. It's in the section about Abraham where he leaves his home. So you know, in the Bible, there's this part where, you know, God says to Abraham, you have to leave your family and you have to leave where you are and go off on kind of a, 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 a journey. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, and then the soulmate part comes up in there. So it's inter interestingly kind of placed. And the idea there is that people are kind of born with, um, you know, again, kind of half of a, half of themselves. And there's a sort of another half of themselves. And they are kind of longing to find that other half, but it's considered to be kind of a complicated journey. And it's not necessarily like super obvious that the 
you know, that you're going to meet that person in this life or that, you know, they're going to be the person that, you know, you are with, maybe have a family with or whatever, you know. Uh, but there is this sort of idea that there's this person kind of out there, which is sort of your other half. And so that's sort of the soulmate idea in the Kabbalah. Uh, is that how you heard about, talked about the Kabbalah too? Yeah, yeah, that people are, like you said, born incomplete. Uh, the soul is incomplete uh, yeah, until, yeah. It is, until it is until bonded with another, with the, the paired soul, the other half of that soul until, and so until that point, the person essentially is, is an incomplete individual. And then once, this, they're, once they're married, then, then they can really kind of also begin their, uh, their spiritual journey as well, because now they have essentially, you know, two halves of the coin. I talked with some Kabbalistic rabbis about this, though, too. And it's like, it is an interesting idea, because it's not obvious you're going to meet that person necessarily in this life. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done the reincarnation part of our conversations on basic spirituality. But in the Kabbalah, they definitely have a sense of people reincarnating. Mm-hmm. So it might be lives where you'll meet that person and you'd never come together in any kind of relationship way. And there might be lives where you don't necessarily meet that person at all. And, you know, so it's not, it definitely isn't like a Disney movie <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, where, you know, Prince or Princess Charming, whoever it is that you're drawn to is waiting around the corner, just around the river bend. I think that's the Pocahontas song, right? It's not like, yeah. it's not like that. You know, it's right. not obvious that, you know, you're necessarily going to find that person. But, uh, you know, there's some beautiful passages on it. Um, for people who are really interested in this idea, there are some meditations on this. And there is this notion in the Kabbalah that if you, if you contemplate those passages, it does, kind of, like, it does kind of clarify the energies around this kind of longing. So there are people who seem to have mm. this kind of longing in them for a soulmate. And if you have that longing, there is this idea. Even if you just scan the letters in the original Aramaic, um, it does, it's a kind of a meditation on letters. And so, you know, as you mm. scan the letters, it sort of becomes a meditative thing. It's like a, a visual, a mantra almost, right? You're not saying the mantra, but your eyes are taking in the mantra of the passage. And they mm-hmm. do sometimes recommend that you can do that. So on the practical side, if you want an interesting meditation, that's definitely outside the box. That's a definitely outside the box meditation on, um, on the feeling of like longing for a soulmate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I definitely, I know about you, I've definitely met people who have that longing, right? They do feel that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's different than somebody who is just simply longing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like looking yeah. for, uh, well, let's say, some holes to be filled, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not just a sexual longing, right? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. It's something, it's something a little bit deeper. But, you know, human psychology is, uh, it's an enigmatic you know i don't know rubik's cube yeah <laughs> and uh i think it's 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 difficult to kind of parse out those two quite often so i'm i'm you know when, when, we, when we get to, into these kind of discussions there has to be some credence into the the physical aspects of it also because if you know if someone is is lacking for something in their life this often is a way to make somebody feel more whole. I mean, that's probably part of the reason why we're partnered for, you know, outside of reproductive reasons um, and safety and just, you know, to be more efficient, but it, we, we also can't separate the two, you know? So I think um, it, this is a very kind of personal thing for people to, to say, like, I, I'm looking for the part of myself that isn't here yet. You know, it's, it's you know, well, I don't know how we'll do 
as much of the personal part of this, you know, we're, we're presenting the concept, but I had like my own kind of soulmate experiences around this. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why, you know, even when we've been talking about doing this show, I thought, well, at some point we'll talk about love and we'll talk about these issues because it's going to come up in a show called Jin and Tantra. Mm -hmm. And I definitely had my own kind of, you know, kind of intense feelings of connection with someone very spontaneously. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had that mm -hmm. experience. I don't think if, if there'd be like a before and after for me on this subject matter. <laughs> I think yeah. if you asked me before, um, you know, sort of that set of experiences, I would have been like, well, eh, you know, this is something that, you mm -hmm. know, is a cultural thing, you know, um, people are longing for something and it gets expressed in this way. I would have been much more of like a, a skeptic about such things mm. but i did have like sort of these experiences and i thought wow this really is kind of sort of like this i guess that drew me a little bit into the kabbalistic conversations about this back in the day too because i was like well what's going on here what does this mean that i have you know sort of this profound feeling of connection you know that was mm -hmm. and like I, you know definitely i think like like hmm like most of our listeners in, in this, you know, I, relationships and love and deep feelings of connection with people I've certainly have had, right? And then I had this one kind of very unusual ex set of experiences. And I was like, hmm, okay, this is something else. And then I got, I got to be a little bit, I got a little bit more open to the idea. What I think it means isn't obvious to me, but the fact that people mm -hmm. have the experience. And I've had a couple of interesting things kind of lately um, where there's a couple people that I know who are going through something kind of similar, where they're mm -hmm. going through these kinds of very intense feelings of connection with another person. We're going to talk about Rumi and Shams maybe at some point in this episode, if we get to it, this one or the next yeah, one. We'll, go there. We'll, probably, we'll probably go there next. Yeah. It feels like a crazy so, you know, like there is this feeling like, oh, there's something about, you know, me and this person that's very profound, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. I, that's an experience for sure. I mean, I try to be, we've talked about this before, I think here and there, I try to be a little empirical with myself. I try to go, mm -hmm. okay, is this an experience or not an experience? If you would have asked me before, I would have been like, hmm, I haven't had any experience like that. So I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's a thing or not. But, you know, when I have an experience, I kind of acknowledge it like, yeah, there's something that can happen very profound between people. It's very moving. That's not too surprising. You know, to say that, of course, that happens. But on some level, I think if you haven't really had that experience for yourself, I don't know. You know, you know some people have had that and some people have, have not, to be honest, right? Some people have had that feeling right. of, you know, there's some person that there's obviously something transcendently special for me with this person. Or maybe you've had that mm -hmm. with more than one person. You know, you feel that transcendence, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, some people, I, to be honest, probably haven't had that too much. What do you think about that? I mean, I've met people who have had and I've met people it's who haven't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm so I same way. I know people who have, I know people who have who haven't. Uh, I find that often they are not with these, they're not partnered with these people. Mm -hmm. I could, I, that, that seems to be a theme. Um, and also, or the partnerships don't work they, out, and we'll get to that when we talk about the Shams and Rumi thing, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it doesn't work out. Uh, I think a lot of times that they, they may have not that the relationship it seems to be like on a rocket ship, you know, where it's like, you just see them and you're like immediately blown away. Yeah. Like you're just, you're shook on, on just like first or second look. And, and you're, it's something, you know, you're trying to describe a feeling 
okay, which is difficult to do just in general. It's like trying to describe a picture to somebody who can't see it um, or who can't see in general. Yeah. And so that's difficult. But then you're trying to describe a very specific feeling that is completely individual because the way in which we all love and experience love, although we have similar, you know, perception abilities, right? You know, hearing, touching, feeling, this thing, these kinds of things. But it's so different for people because some people are much more of the touchy-feely kind of folks. And some people are much more of the, the acoustic type where they need to hear beautiful poetry and that they are adored all the time. And some people like actions and they want to be shown how it is. And so I think these things can be very different for people, you know, just in terms of the aspect of love. But when we're like on the specific, like with the soulmate type thing, I think that people can say definitively, for if they had it, they'll say, yes, for sure, I've had it. And if they had it, then you're, they're like how you were previously. You're kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing, but I've never had it before. There's usually not like a gray area where someone's like, well, you know, Bob from back in the day was not bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true you know, maybe, maybe, maybe him i think it's possible <laughs> yeah if you had this thing you're like i think i know it's like if somebody bashed you in the nose with a hammer you sort of like remember uh, yes, that I was, you're not like you, hmm, yeah i can't was that it you know it does seem to have that and i've talked with people in the before and after of this for sure you know mm -hmm. and it's like i said it's interesting now because i have two people i know who are going through this now in their own ways um I just got a text from one uh, this morning um, and we'll get together and we'll, we'll chat about such issues, you know, and she's trying mm -hmm. to cope with it. Yeah. In this case, it's kind of a separation period um, mm -hmm. between her and the person she feels this with, but you know, it's, it's something unique, you know, so at the very least it's an experience, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, being empirical about it, I'd say, yeah, there's the experience. And I suppose in the end, and I guess we'll talk about this as we go through the whole subject matter, I've become kind of a pretty big believer in, Love and connection with people as part of the spiritual path. I definitely believe in that very strongly. Um, mm -hmm. Believe in that is even kind of a weird way to put that because not everybody has to feel that way. But that's definitely been the no. thing for me, you know. And I think that runs through mm -hmm. part of the show too in a way because there obviously are people who are spiritual people who become nuns and monks and they eschew that part of life, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's not for them in this life. You know, they're going a different way. And of course that is an admirable and respectable thing to do. Uh, you know, the Dalai Lama is a single dude, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, and he talks about that and he talks about, wow, love and all those things. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of energy. It's a lot of potential emotional upheaval and pain. Mm -hmm. You know, he'll talk mm -hmm. about that and mm -hmm. watching that in people. And he's kind of like, that's not part of my life now in this life, you know? So, you know, some people are going to have that as part of life and some people won't, and that's totally fine. But uh, I think for me, it's become, I think with the, the accumulated experiences that I had, it became something like, yeah, like, at least for me in this life, uh, you know, love matters a lot, right? And, you know, the profundity of this kind of soulmate experience had a big impact on me. And in the aftermath, I think it just made me a more loving person in a way. Um, mm. So, but, you know, everyone's going to have their own experience with this for sure. Uh, yeah, that's the personal part. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it. I think it's sort of. I think what you said is true. It does make you a more loving person. It sort of cracks you. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Like it, it because it's it's so personal. It's so unique. The feeling, um, even even if you experience it with a couple different people, it's 
so like I don't know how to say it. It's in, it's intimate and personal at the same time. Yeah, that it 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 immediately kind of transcends beyond your levels of of rationality or thinkiness to fend it off to to reason it away to this or that or oh they just look good today or you know I'm horny or something like this you know or they find that person it's, sexually it's attractive a, which is probably true but doesn't seem to encapsulate it in any way it doesn't yeah, it isn't the, it isn't it, the root even on some level it's just a it's piece not, right yeah right it's and but it it goes it, it's like it just sinks right in you know like a drop of water and a crack of a rock it goes right to the middle instantaneously and it makes a difference it changes the sort of signature that we have i believe at least in a relationship perspective because it never leaves us. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. It's kind of interesting that, like, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this. I definitely feel, I guess, in, you know, Buddhist thought or something, people develop their little karmic talents or whatever it is that they have. You know, everyone has this mm-hmm. cachet of, you know, skills that they've acquired over the course of their lifetimes, right? And I do feel like those people I'm connected with, I sort of know. You know, I know very quickly, and I think you've talked about the same thing. It doesn't always have to be this intense thing, but you know, oh, that's one of my people, you know, like that's mm-hmm. a person who I have some kind of something with. It goes back to what you're talking about before. If you make the concept too narrow, you're missing that there's more people beyond this one person that you have these, these interconnections with. But I feel like I know that pretty quickly. So that's one set of feelings I know of, certainly I've had. And I, you know, in general, I've tended to feel like I'm kind of correct in that in the long run, right? Those people that I feel mm-hmm. that I have a connection with, it will amount to something, you know, at some point or another, you know, and that could be again with friendships or it could be something that was more romantic or it could be whatever it is, right? Something that you're trying to accomplish with that person or something that has a deeper meaning. And I found that to be a very profound part of my life. But I also had what you're talking about too, the part where you feel like a bolt of lightning went through the top of your head and your knees buckle. And, you know, I actually mm-hmm. had that thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, this is something different. You know, it's funny you were talking about it. It reminds me a little bit about when I did my first Zen retreat, there's kind of a Zen thing about sound. Sometimes it'll be mm. sound that will be the trigger of like the change in the person, right? It'll shake something up in their mind, uh, you know, and uh, in their consciousness and their spirit poof, with a sound. And I was doing the first long Zen retreat and there was uh, at the end of the day of meditation, they kind of hit on this wooden percussion instrument and they just bang it and bang mm-hmm. it and bang it. And there was something about like it hit and it was like, I was kind of like split in half for a moment. It was a really interesting moment. I can still kind of like, you know, feel it very clearly in my memory, you know, this, and it was a very similar experience in, uh, you know, this connection with a person where something just went bang, mm-hmm. you know? And um, yeah, so there's something profound about that. And again, I guess I think if you haven't had that experience, you'd be like, well, you know, hard to say. <laughs> it's the same thing if you haven't had the experience yeah. of sitting Zen all day and have a, someone hit a, a wooden gong, you're not going to like, you'd be like, okay, <laughs> I right. guess that's something. <laughs> well, of course, if you have, so if you those, have it for, for, if you have it for yourself, it's different. Yeah. So for those who are listening to this, if you haven't had that, we're, we're going on a deep rant and you're like, whatever, bro, I don't even know. I don't know <laughs> but we're trusting some people know about this or at least you're, you're curious or you never it. know. Don't, you know, don't ask for whom the bell or the wooden gong tolls. It could be for you, my friend. That's right. 
You could be That's like right. me That's walking around fair. going, eh, I know what the hell these dudes are talking about. <laughs> could right. be waiting around the corner for you. You just don't know. <laughs> well, I guess on the, on the theoretical side, um, I did have a conversation with one of my Buddhist teachers about this. I asked like, well, what's the Buddhist attitude about this? We have the Greeks. We have the great Kabbalists. Um, what do the Buddhists think? And there's definitely a thing in Buddhism where there's no real like conception of like the soul being cut in half and someone looking for their other half. Mm -hmm. Like that isn't the thing. And I guess when I look at the metaphysics of it, I'm probably a little bit more inclined to think that way. Um, But there was definitely this idea. Though I think the conversation was interesting. Basically um, posed the question and the answer became, well, there might be like, four people on the planet that you can have that kind of thing with. <laughs> and I went, well, how many people are on the planet? <laughs> Seven billion, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but anyways, Buddhism has something about that, I suppose, that there'll be these profound connections between people. And I guess after we do the Rumi thing, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the Buddhist stories that are like this, because they do have Buddhist stories that are like this too. So um i guess the only other last little bit of theory because i've talked with people who are like this too there is the sort of whole like twin souls soul matey kind of a movement that's going on now which again if you know anything about it you don't know anything about it but i definitely have and i didn't know anything about it but i have talked with people about this there's sort of a new age version of this too just to acknowledge that right where um, you know again it's a big thing around people searching for you know, there are other parts of their soul. And I don't know what I think about that. Again, I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to discount anyone's, you know, stuff, but, you know, again, it's a little bit more, you know, part of like mm, a little bit of a new agey subculture thing, you know, and I know people who are really interested mm-hmm. in that too. Do you know anyone who's interested in that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think? Some of it, I think, fits, fits I mean, into the idea of people who are just longing for something. I mean, some of it might be that for sure, right? Right, right. So, so you know, one of the things, we, we gotta, since we're going to go on it, let's, let's go in a little bit, right? So one of the things they like to talk about is, uh, is a soul, is, I'm sorry, is a twin flame. A twin right? flame, so twin flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about twin souls, which is twin flames. From- yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's even different than that. I think, you know, they they call it twin flame. Um, Twin flames are like, they say they're more like, we're like mirror images of each other. And they're kind of like past and their fears and their traumas and all their sort of life situations kind of resonate with each other, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. almost amplified. And they have kind of like these different kind of relationships that are quite intense. Um, that and then could be they could also be like some kind of telepathic or psychic um doesn't have to be romantic by any by any you know stretch of the imagination um and they're very powerful in people's lives and they're kind of pulled together but it doesn't necessarily mean it's romantic yeah 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 that's true you know Mm -hmm. they're just you're kind of like resonant um and so my you know my experience with this is that you know i've I've had uh, maybe one or two people uh, mentioned that I was their twin flame previously, and our relationship was extremely short-lived, <laughs> relative, uh-huh. <laughs> relatively intense, uh-huh. um, relatively intense. But like, I, I wouldn't say like we we ended better for the wear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, of course. Look, you learn from all of your experiences, and to make your next one, your next relationship, your next experience improve. 
but you know, I, I certainly wouldn't uh, call anybody twin flame soul or any of those uh, labels. And yet it's been given to me multiple times. So either I'm operating on multiple planes at once and I don't know about it, or perhaps these terms are being, being thrown about uh, a little bit flippant. A little bit loosely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually never talk with me about that, that you've had that kind of like... Uh, uh, yeah. You know. Well, I'm being nice because we're recording, you know? <laughs> You're being what? You're being what? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm being nice because we're recording, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I mean, look, you can feel an intense connection with a lot of people. Does that mean that there's some, you know, soul level? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, we're just trying to put, a, you know, a, a description on things that are beyond description, you know, which is very difficult to do. And you feel sometimes a deep connection with somebody, but they could be a total asshole. I guess that does come up in that subculture a lot where you see people kind of longing for someone that they have this connection with in their mind, but the person may be a little bit, you know, uh, personality disordered or something else wrong with them. And, you know, people get kind of screwed up right around that. I mean, that does seem to happen. If I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say that from my experience as a teacher and my experience as a person, when someone says that, that, that someone is their twin flame, it is generally a, an excuse for poor behavior. Oh, interesting. That's what I find. So someone says, oh, but they're my twin flame, so I can feel Oh, twin, doing. it's an excuse for poor behavior on the part of the other person. Yes, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. As justification to like, you know, say, well, you know, we're, we're, we're growing together and I'm learning through their experiences too. I'm like, well, you know, they're cheating on you all the time. So I guess you're supposed to learn fidelity through their infidelity. Like, I don't, I guess if we want to do that, we can do that, but then we got to do that with everything. And there are, you know, some behaviors that are just unbecoming of a, of a couple, you know what I mean? Twin flame or not. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like our, pathological between people right so you don't want to go and say okay there's something pathological happening but we're going to call it a twin flame so it's okay right mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. i think like in talking with people about this i've had um again i think i had the experience i've been a person that other people could talk to about this so i have had something where people have been you know described to me like you know i had this really intense thing and i've been like okay i understand that I know what that's like, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been able to talk with people about it from a place of, uh, you know, understanding, you know, and empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at the same time, still acknowledging what you're talking about, too, just because you feel that bond with that person and maybe they feel that bond with you, too, doesn't mean that that relationship is going to work out or doesn't mean that, you know, um, uh, that person isn't going to be maybe incredibly flawed in ways, you know, that you can either decide that you understand or don't understand, but you shouldn't put yourself in, in front of a, a, a you know, a runaway train, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, around this. You have to acknowledge, you see the person clearly, see the person for who they are, you know, right. and then, you know, right. uh, respond in a way that, you know, maybe acknowledges the fact that you have this bond with this person. You feel this incredible love and bond for this person, but you're also realistic about who they are you know, and mm-hmm. you know, look at it through clear eyes. And you can kind of like learn to do both of those things at the same time, actually. And I suppose in my mm-hmm. conversations with people who've gone through this, that's been one of the things that's happened. And this is kind of just talking with people who are in love, right? You, yes. you have to say yes. to people, you know, okay, you're in love and you can love that person. Um, but you can also look at that person honestly, right? And see their, their, their flaws or see, you know, their, 
their struggles and you know acknowledge that part too and then you then you're it's even more it's a more real way to love even right yeah, yeah. well it's it's uh, you it's using all of the the various aspects of who we are as people to make a, an informed decision right and so it's using your your intuition and your feelings to say this is a good person or whatever and then it's using your your ability to just observe their behaviors and their actions in life and be like Oh yeah. And they're also a, you know, trustworthy individual or a stand up guy or gal or, you know, whatever they identify as. And it doesn't mean just because love is quote unquote blind doesn't mean you should turn a blind eye to things that, that could be detrimental. Like it just, you know, that's how it is. So I, um, you know, making a soft transition here is how we, <laughs> that's how we like to do on this show. I, I wanted to throw out a, a roomy poem uh-huh. that um, I think, I think it would be nice. And so, uh, it talks about two kinds of intelligence. And he says that there are two kinds of intelligence. One acquired as a child in school memorizes facts and concepts. With such intelligence, you rise in the world. There is another kind of tablet. One already completed and preserved inside of you. This other intelligence does not turn yellow or stagnate. It's fluid and it doesn't move from outside to inside through the conduits of plumbing and learning. This second knowing is a fountainhead from within you moving out. And I think it sort of uh, highlights the, what I, my point of being able to have each kind of intelligent, intelligence be active when you're choosing someone, whether they're a soulmate or just somebody you met you know, one night at a bar and you happen to keep hooking up with them you know, years later. <laughs> I think that... Um... I think that when you like take that roomy thing and you kind of put that into a like translate into Buddhism ease or something like that, what you end up with is that there's a value in things that you learn from your experiences, right? That are mm-hmm. pedagogically being taught to you um, and from mm-hmm. your experiences. And there's a sort of a value in the sort of inherent intelli- intelligence that's there and what you might call like a Buddha nature or something like that, right? Uh, your original mm-hmm. Shen and how you can kind of clearly see through things. And I suppose when you get to talking about love, you know, you want to have both of those kinds of things operating, right? You want to like yeah. have your, you know, the deeper parts of your, of your intuitive aspects of your mind going, you can kind of appreciate who the person is and the love and the depth of the connection you have with them. And you can also look at them kind of realistically too, right? Look mm-hmm. at the outer parts and that's, that's the, the way that maybe you function in the world through love. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.